Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul declared that, quote, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The fact of the matter is that we have earned our death by our sinful life. Our salvation, however, is a gift of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 6 and learn how we can increasingly live in this quality of life called eternal life. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Wednesday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all are loving on Jesus and spending time with Jesus, growing to know him, growing to love him, uh, growing to obey him, growing to walk with him, growing to, to think about Jesus, growing to just to have your mind and thoughts more concerned and on Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the meaning of, of life. Um, and I say that, uh, you know, myself just, just desiring and knowing and needing that, that I need to, to clearly, you know, focus on Jesus so much more. I say it knowing that the, the vast majority of my waking hours are regrettably not focused on Jesus. And I, and I, this is what I do. This is, you know, this is my job. And so thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Lord willing, today we'll finish Romans 6. Uh, the plan is to do verses 15 to, to 23, just, just solid verses, just this incredible book of Romans. So, Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you for our Bible. We thank you for this book of Romans. We thank you for chapter 6, Father. We thank you for the revelation, the insight, Lord, that you've given us, the understanding into who you are, into your will, into your ways, Father. We just thank you for your mercy on our lives. And above all, we thank you for your mercy and grace in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We thank you today. We praise you today, our only Savior, our only Master, our only Lord, our only King. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand, and I want to continue now, Father, to ask for your mercy and healing and provision in my mother uh, in the hospital. Father, I ask you to be with her. I ask you to comfort her. I ask you to reveal yourself to her, Father. And Father, above all, I lift up my parents to you and I pray that, that you would save them. I pray that they would come to know you, that they would come to be saved, Father. We ask you to save their souls, draw them unto you in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, Romans 6, 15 to 23. <clears throat> what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that, though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery 
to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to, leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So we see a theme uh, you know, in these verses and, and really in the whole chapter, this theme of slavery and it, and it's, and it's, and it's a heavy and hard theme. Why is Paul using such, such forceful language, even, even violent language? Why is Paul using this strong language of slavery? Okay. Um, you know, certainly slavery, uh, was common in the ancient world. Um, it was different than the than the than the slavery and the the evil of slavery that 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 we had in in England in the United States. Um, but but still, slavery was was still a a, a terrible thing, and uh, and yet Paul is using this this strong forceful language. We see it repeated over and over and over and over, like seven times he's mentioning here, slaves, 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 slaves. So he's wanting to, to hammer into us this reality, okay? The reality is here, May, that you are, in fact, either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. There is no middle ground, okay? Either you are in slavery and you're obeying sin or you are in slavery to obedience in righteousness. There is, there, 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 th those are the only two options. There is no middle ground. I was talking to the guys yesterday in Bible study, and we talked about how even as believers and disciples of Jesus, right, Nathan, we, we often seem to try to live in this middle ground, right, where, where we know we want to grow in our obedience to Jesus, Um but at the same time, we still we still tolerate, you know, sin in our lives, sin in our thoughts, sin in our words, and uh, and sin in our actions. So look at verse fifteen. Paul says, "What then shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace?" So Paul has just explained to them that you know that that they're not they're not under the law; they're not made right by the law. They cannot be saved by the law. You can't even be made more like Jesus, right, Jason, by the law. We're not even sanctified by the law. All this happens by the grace of our heavenly father. It all happens by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord, right? What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? By no means. That's verse 15, right, Corinne? By no means. So again, Paul can anticipate, right, Pop, his readers, you know, thinking to themselves, well, since we're we're not under law, since, you know, we don't have to, you know, obey the law, you know, we might as well just sin it up. We might as well just live in a, a lifestyle, a lifestyle of self-indulgence, a lifestyle of pleasure. We might as well just do whatever feels good. And, and since we're not under law, you know, uh, you know, we might as well just go on sinning. 
And again, Paul, Paul, in very forceful terms, says, by no means, okay? It's a ridiculous thought. Um, and it is one of the great fears, as I've said before, of many in the church. One of the great fears of God's grace, embracing God's grace. And remember, grace is his unmerited favor to us regarding salvation. It is also his empowering to us. God's grace not only saves us, but it empowers us to walk out the Christian life. Um, we can do nothing outside the grace of God before we were saved, when we were saved, and after we're saved. We are products, right, Tommy, of grace. Um, but one of the great fears of, 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 of really walking in the grace of God for much of the church and, and Christians over the centuries is that, well, if we just allow people to say grace, 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 then they're going to live a life of sin, sin, sin. So the, the natural human tendency that many fear, again, uh, throughout the centuries in the church, is that this preaching of grace is, is just going to embolden people to sin more. Someone who's truly in Jesus Christ, someone who has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, truly understanding what he's done for them, truly understanding that Jesus became a human man for you. Your God became a human man for you, went on to live a perfect, righteous life on your behalf that you can never live, died a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died, and then was raised from the dead. Um, when, we, when we really understand that, the idea that we would take that gift of salvation, that when we believe in Jesus, when we trust in Jesus, when we rely on Jesus alone, when we put our faith in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, and we're forgiven of our sin and we come into relationship with the triune God and we receive eternal life and we'll go to heaven when we die, the idea that we would use all that to intentionally live a more sinful and wicked lifestyle is just simply not consistent with someone who is genuinely saved. What am I saying? I'm saying that there are many who may claim to believe in Jesus, but if you're there today and you claim to believe in Jesus and you call yourself a Christian, but you have this idea that because you believe in Jesus, that that you can have a lifestyle of increasing and deliberate sin. After all, you're in Jesus, and so he's going to cover it. You want to examine yourself and see if you really are in Jesus. Because when we're really, really in Jesus, right, Wade? Jesus lives in us. The spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is one with our spirit. We're actually one with Jesus. We're married with Jesus. We're part of the bride of Christ in the body of Christ, and, and the Spirit of God convicts us and grieves us when we sin. So again, in no way this idea that since, since we're in grace, that we can just live this, this lifestyle of increasing sin, in no way is that consistent with someone who is truly saved. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace by no means? Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, verse 16, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So there it is, verse 16, either you're a slave 
to sin, which leads to death, or a slave to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Okay, We are in one of those two camps. If you are a, a genuine Christian today, if you're truly saved, then you are a slave to obedience. The Spirit of God living in you is driving you to, to obey Christ, to walk with him. You're not saved by this obedience. It has nothing to do with your salvation. Your salvation was a gift given to you by Jesus Christ, and all you did was receive the gift, right? A gift can only be received, okay? You cannot earn a gift, and salvation is a gift, right? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. So salvation is a gift, John 1, 12, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So again, salvation is received. It's a gift. But now once you're saved, okay, you're, you're, you're in Jesus Christ. You have a new self. You have eternal life. You have spiritual life, okay? You're a new man or a new woman in Jesus Christ. The, the old self, the old man or the old woman was killed with Christ, was crucified with Christ. And this new self that's one with Jesus in spirit, one with the Holy Spirit, is in fact a slave to obedience. Before you came to Christ, you were an absolute slave to sin. Sin was your master. It was my master before I came to Christ. And we could do nothing, Jack, but sin. But now in Jesus Christ, we're slaves to obedience. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So again, it's either one way or the other. Verse 17, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted you have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. I believe he used the word slaves there six times, right? You have been set free from sin. You see that? You were in slavery to sin. Sin owned you. It owned me. Sin was our master. You have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. When we used to, before we came to Jesus Christ, we just lived the life of sinful behavior. Whatever felt good, whatever was pleasurable, whatever we wanted to think, whatever we wanted to say, whatever we wanted to do, we used our minds, our thoughts, our bodies, our hands, our eyes, our ears in just in sinful behavior. And, and I mean, we were good at it, okay? We were, we were getting better at sin. Now in Jesus Christ, no longer, we've been set free from sin. Our, our old sinful man has been killed. Our old sinful woman has been crucified with Jesus. Now we have a new self, a new man, a new woman that's one with the Spirit of God. And this, this, this new man, this new self, is a slave to righteousness. And we're driven to live in an obedient and right way before our God and Father in and through Jesus Christ our Lord Again, by the grace and empowering of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's incredible, right, Susan? Wow, golly, what's he mean? But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed 
the form of teaching to which you entrusted. Wholeheartedly. Have you wholeheartedly, have you with your entire heart, Corinne, put your faith and trust, believing in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Are you are you wholeheartedly, just with all of your heart, trusting in Jesus, relying on Jesus? And what do I mean by that? Some people would say, well, I hope I am. Well, are you at all trusting in yourself for your salvation? Do you believe that somehow that your works or your efforts or your good deeds are going to help you to get to heaven? If you believe that, you're not wholeheartedly trusting in Jesus alone, but you're also trusting in yourself, okay? Or do you, do you wholeheartedly, do you not wholeheartedly believe Jesus is the only way for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, deliverance from eternal hell and to go to heaven when you die, okay? Do you, do you wholeheartedly believe that you are a sinful person? Okay. If you don't really believe you're that sinful, then you won't run to Jesus knowing your desperate need of him. Right. Um, if you believe there are other ways to heaven, then again, if you think Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, even though in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Again, if you don't believe that, you're not wholeheartedly believing the revelation of the scriptures in the Bible. We need to wholeheartedly believe, okay? Um, belief is a command. When he says, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you entrusted. This begins with our belief, and that's where our salvation lies, and then it moves into our actions, okay? Oh, we are commanded as what to believe. The, uh, I, I mean, for most Christians, they believe that, 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 that the belief is a request. The Bible commands us not only what to do, but it commands us for what to believe. That's, 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 that's why we, we cannot have a world without the Bible. The Bible is our handbook and it commands us not only everything we're to do, but everything we're to believe, not only on how we're to live, but how we're to think and what we're to believe. So to wholeheartedly obey the form of teaching to which you were entrusted is to first of all, wholeheartedly believe what the Bible teaches about Jesus and our need for Jesus. That we are completely and totally sinful, that we need a savior and we are not it. That without Jesus, we are hopeless, helpless, desperate, headed to hell under the wrath of God. But that in Jesus Christ, that our God became a human man for us, lived a perfect righteous life on our behalf, died a torturous death on our behalf, and has been raised from the dead. And when we put our faith and trust and reliance in Jesus alone, when we believe in him and receive him as our Lord and Savior, all of our sin is credited to Jesus at the cross. He pays our entire sin debt, past, present, and future sin. And that perfect righteous life that he lived is credited to us. It's incredible. Now, once we've received Jesus, we ought to have a heart to wholeheartedly live a life in slavery to obedience, in slavery to righteousness. Okay. We talked about verse 18. You've been set free from sin 
and have become slaves to righteousness. Look at verse 19. So Paul's going to kind of back up here. He realizes he's used extremely forceful language, this language of slavery, which is a sensitive topic, right? So why use such strong language? Look at verse 19. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Okay, so Paul is basically saying, listen, I know I've been heavy handed here. I put this in human terms, the human terms of slavery. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. Before you gave your life to Christ, okay, before you became a Christian, you absolutely used to offer the parts of your body, verse 19, in slavery to impurity into ever-increasing wickedness. That's a heavy statement, okay? So someone who is not in Christ, okay? And I understand this is harsh language. We're just teaching the scripture, okay? We do this, we have this as a mercy to us to believe it. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, that's before you came to Jesus Christ. Sin was your master. You were enslaved to sin. You couldn't help but sin. And you did in one form or another, not only continue to sin, but use your body, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your feet to, to walk in ever increasing wickedness in continuing sin in your thoughts, words, and deeds. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. And so now we're not enslaved to sin. We're enslaved. We're slaves to Christ. Okay? Jesus is our master now. Jesus is our owner. Jesus redeemed us. The word redeem, redemption means to be purchased or to be bought back. We were purchased out of slavery into sin, and it was Jesus who paid for us. He paid for us, Stephen, with his, with his life, death, and resurrection. We are property of Jesus Christ, and now as his property, we're slaves to him, and we need to, you know, so now offer the parts of our body, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. So now you want to use your eyes and what you look at and what you take in, you want to use your mind, you want to use your ears for obedience into righteousness and to live and to do what's right. Okay. In Jesus Christ, no more. Our old self has been killed. Sin is not our master anymore. We were crucified with Christ. We now have a new self and that new self, that, that eternal life, that spiritual life we have, that, that new man or new woman you know, needs to walk in, in increasing obedience. And Paul says in slavery to doing what's right. Just like we used to walk in slavery to doing what's wrong, now we need to be slaves to increasingly doing what's right. Again, I can't emphasize enough, this is not, this doesn't have anything to do with saving us or helping us get saved. This isn't about having our sins forgiven or going to heaven. It doesn't even help us do that. This is the result 
of what it means to be saved and to walk a life of obedience as a disciple of Jesus Christ. None of us do this perfectly. Again, I'd have to take a vacation day, as I've said, to tell you the things I need to improve in the areas of my life that are out of place. I can just be very impatient. I can be frustrated. I can be irritated. I can be a baby, a child, when things aren't going my way. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Golly. Look at verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. That's a hard verse. Verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, before you gave your life to Jesus Christ, when you were slaves to sin, you see the language, you were in fact a slave to sin. If you're not genuinely in Jesus Christ today, sin is your master. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. It's kind of a, it's kind of a harsh statement, right? You were free from the control of doing what's right. Righteousness had, had no control over you whatsoever. Doing right had no, you know, had no ownership over you. You were free from the control of righteousness. Now, again, it'll come into people's mind. Well, can't unbelievers do good? Yes. By the common grace of God, people who are not in, in Christ can do good things. They can be helpful by the grace of God. They can do thoughtful and loving things, but not in Christ. They cannot do them in relation to God. They cannot please God. Okay, um, it's only in Jesus Christ that we become spiritually alive, and in that and in that place, God the Father becomes our our heavenly Father, and now we live a life in relationship with Him. So before we come to Christ, we can do common, do good things by the common grace of God, but we can't do anything good in relation to our triune God. That can only be done in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Verse 21, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. As Christians, we ought to be able to think back on our life and just, and so, you know, I may have to think back from yesterday, but when we think back over the years, we ought to see a growth in holiness, a growth in obedience, a growth in in righteousness as disciples of Jesus Christ. Again, this has nothing to do pertaining to going to heaven or being saved, but as Christians with Jesus living in us, you know, having eternal life, being children of God our of God our Father, the new self, there ought to be a growth in your sanctification. There ought to be a growth in becoming more and more like Jesus. And I certainly see that the growth in my life. It's not anywhere near where I'd like it to be but I can see this growth. But Paul says, what benefit did you reap at the time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. When we think back on just the, the sinful ways we've lived in this life, we look at that and we're, we're ashamed of that. Now that shame doesn't get on us, right? We've been forgiven of it. There is no condemnation or shame or guilt in, in Christ. All of that's been taken away. But, you know, we still remember it and we're just, we're grieved by it. We're bothered by it. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Again, outside of Jesus Christ, or even when we live in sin, all it does is produce death in our life. It, 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 doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't give life to us. It doesn't give joy and peace. It just produces death and destruction. And I'm using these words here metaphorically, right? Those things result in death. 
ultimately because we have sinned, all of us will naturally die. Okay, But in Jesus Christ, if we receive Christ, we will never die. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Verse 22, but now that you have been set free from sin. Again, you see that? You were enslaved to sin. Verse 22, but now that you have been set free from sin, when you receive Christ as Savior, and have become slaves to God. Okay, Remember, you used to be a, a slave to sin. Now, verse 22, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Okay, so again, before you were in Christ, you were in slavery to sin and that sin just produced, produced just death and all that goes with death, death, destruction, sadness, just, you know, just misery, everything right? But now that you've been set free from sin, verse 22, and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. And when he's saying eternal life here, remember, eternal life is not just, it's not just a, uh, a, a quantity of life, Ian, right? Eternal life is, is a quality of life, Benny, Right. And so when we now live as as slaves to obedience, slaves to righteousness, because we are indeed slaves to Jesus Christ, who bought us and paid for us. Right. He is our God, God, the son. Right. The benefit you reap leads to holiness. So when we uh, and the result is eternal life. So now when we live to be pleasing to our father, now when we live to do what's right, when when we when we when we desire to, to live an upright and holy and Christ-like life, okay? We benefit and we grow to be more holy. We grow to be more like Jesus. And in that place, we will experience eternal life more deeply and more intimately and more powerfully, right? We don't get eternal life by doing any of these things, but we will certainly have the benefit of growing holiness and Christ-likeness and, and again, we'll just experience this eternal kind of life more deeply. Wow. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Again, we, we earn our death, right? We earned our natural death. We all sin. The wages of sin is death. We willfully sinned. Okay. The wages of sin is death. We earned our death by our sin. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. By God's grace, we've been given a gift of eternal life, but it's only, verse 23, in Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's only in Jesus is the only gift by which we receive the forgiveness of our sins, the salvation of our soul, deliverance from eternal hell, and eternal life, not only in quantity, but in quality. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness on our lives. We thank you for this incredible book of Romans. Father, we just worship you and thank you. Jesus, we love you. We honor you and we praise you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen.